Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 28 of the Australian Hiker podcast. Today's episode is titled Layering for Comfort. Today we're going to discuss what a layering system is, how that it keeps you comfortable, and we're going to go through and look at uh, start by looking at um, the common types of layers, look at what goes into making up these layers, and we'll use examples based on our own experience from three-season hiking, which is hiking where we're not going to be in snow. In any discussion on layering, be warned that everyone's tolerances to heat and cold is unique, so please use this as a guide only, uh, and be aware that I've spent majority of my working life outdoors and have a very high tolerance to cold. And in this episode, this is where I pretty much contradict him from the beginning to the end of the entire podcast, um, given that I have a very uh, poor tolerance of cold. I get cold um, and I need to layer up much more than Tim does. The first thing we're going to go through and look at is what is layering? Uh, for those people that have been hiking for a while, they have a good, they'll have an understanding of what, they, what this means. But for people new to hiking, this is just another term that might be a bit confusing. And if you think of, probably the best way to think of layering is like an onion that's made up of a series of layers. Most of us will already layer our clothing in our day-to-day life. If you think about this, we, we wear our underwear, followed by a pants and a top, and if it gets colder, a jumper and a jacket and so on. I'm glad that we're starting with the <laughs> underpants <laughs> and putting layers on top of that, but, you know, <laughs> it could get worse, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, so if it starts to get hot, we take some of these layers off. If but not start- the underpants. <laughs> If it gets colder, we add layers and we use thicker layers until we uh, or, or we use thicker layers until we are comfortable. Now we've all been cold at some point because we've misjudged the weather or we're wearing the wrong clothing. Now if we do this in our normal lives, the worst that tends to happen is we end up being miserable and we'll cease doing whatever activity we're doing, uh, but learning from the experience. When we hike, the consequences can be a bit different. Um, and if you're uh, hiking during the summertime, usually it's not too much of an issue. But if you choose the wrong layering system, have the wrong clothing uh, during the colder months of the year, you can potentially getting, end up getting hypothermia uh, and losing excessive body heat, which can be life-threatening. Or during the warmer months of the year, if we have the wrong layers on, we can end up with heat stroke or heat exhaustion, which again can be life-threatening. Having a layering system that you understand and knowing the limits of each piece will ensure you only carry what you need and have what you need to keep you comfortable and safe. Now, the first thing that I want to go through and discuss is that temperatures aren't temperatures. And what I mean by this is when you hear people talking about that, I um, I went hiking the other day and it was uh, five degrees or it was minus two degrees or it was 20 degrees. 
that's all a fairly relative sort of term. Really what we should be talking about is apparent temperature. Now apparent temperature is how we feel as individuals um, and taking into account the air temperature, relative humidity and wind speed. So I've actually done hikes uh, uh, on two days. The temperatures have been exactly the same according to the thermometer, uh, wearing exactly the same clothing. And one day I've been quite warm and comfortable and the next I haven't been. And the difference has been extra moisture in the air or it's, it's a windier day or you're more exposed. If you've got a weather app, the weather app will often give you an indicator of a feels like temperature. Um, that's really what we're talking about. There's the temperature and then it is there's the temperature of how it actually feels. Another factor to consider at this time is whether you're moving or whether you're or standing still. If you go through and you're hiking and you're actually moving and, and carrying a pack and walking uphill or downhill or on the flat, doesn't really matter, you'll exert energy and you'll create a bit of extra warmth. If you're standing there at the end of the day or the start of the morning, you haven't got a pack on, you're not really moving, the temperatures are often a bit cooler in the day to, and the, the start and the end of the day, you'll often feel colder. So again, you need to be conscious of the fact that um, moving um, will have a big impact on how you feel the cold just as much as an apparent temperature will. So what you essentially wear hiking as opposed to sitting around the camp at the end of the day will vary quite, quite a lot. Now in a recent online survey that we conducted uh, regarding three-season three hiking, and as I said before, this is non-snow conditions, 52% of our respondents used a layering, condition, uh, layering system that consisted of four layers, and a further 41% of respondents used a layering system that consisted of three layers. And, and that's pretty much as it sounds, that you have three separate layers or four separate layers going through to making up your system. From a personal perspective, I use a layering system that consists of four layers, uh, and the combination of clothing that I use will keep me warm down to around about minus 7 degrees Celsius, which is 20 degrees Fahrenheit. I remove or add layers depending on the conditions, and I will only ever wear four layers when the temperatures are really cold or the apparent temperature due to wind and moisture feels that way. For me, in any one particular day, if the temperature is reasonably cool, I will have all of those four layers on at some point in time during the day. Um, at the warmest part of the day, I might take some of them off, but certainly at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, I will have everything on. So when you're going through and building your layering system, the main thing you need to be aware of is that, that each individual layer should feel comfortable. It's no good having one layer feeling comfortable, you put another layer on and it feels uncomfortable. So you're building up a system. Now before we discuss the individual layers themselves, we'll look at material choice. These days the average hiker is swamped with choice. Uh, and if you go into a, an outdoor store or you look online, you've got a huge array of garments from a number of different brands. And certainly over the last 12 months in particular, I've noticed a, a number of brands which have only ever been available in Europe or America starting to make their way into Australia, which is increasing the range and often increasing the confusion for people. 
These days, your choice of fabric for your layering system comes down to uh, synthetic or natural. And when we talk about natural garments, we usually are talking about merino wool these days, but it can also be silk or even bamboo, although that's not commonly used. The merino wool used in today's garments doesn't tend to have that itchy feeling like your grandmother's old wooden, <laughs> wooden sweater used to. Um, and common brands available on the Australian market include Icebreaker, Brubeck and Smartball. Wool-based garments have the advantage of being a natural resource. They're very impervious to body over, so you can wear it day after day and not stink. Well, at least, uh, at least you don't think you stink, which was probably the main thing. Uh, and on our, <laughs> on, our, uh, on our trip to, to Larapinta Trail last year, where we were wearing our clothing for periods of, a, a period of up to two weeks, um, yeah, the clothing did sort of smell by the end of it, but um, not as badly as you would have expected it to. When, when we hit Stanley Chasm and I discovered that there was a washing machine, I made poor Tim strip down to his long johns um, and sit in the sun in his long johns because there was no shade and I put everything that he had in the washing machine because I couldn't stand it any longer. <laughs> but that was, you know, almost two weeks in, so that was pretty good. Okay, wool is also uh, relatively soft and comfortable against the skin. It'll absorb a fair amount of moisture and drawing perspiration from your skin and will still insulate you at the same time. Wool also will insulate you from the effects of heat and keep you cool. Now this, of course, is provided you're not wearing a layer that's, that's way too hot for the conditions you're in. One of the other natural fibres that we don't really talk about when we talk about hiking is cotton. Uh, and really you want to avoid cotton garments such as t-shirts and jeans as they retain moisture, which may be okay when it's really hot and you're trying to cool down, but it can be dangerous when it's cold. And in America in particular, they have a saying that cotton kills, uh, and this particularly relates to snow conditions. So you don't want to be going up hiking in snow wearing jeans and a, a t-shirt uh, or cotton, a cotton-based t-shirt. You're just not going to keep warm. Having said that, we have seen people on the trail with standard cotton t-shirts and occasionally uh, wearing jeans or at least sort of cargo type pants. Um, they look very fashionable. They look very cool. Um, they're probably not as comfortable as they could be and certainly uh, not regulating their temperature as, as much as they should. Okay, the next type of garment is synthetic garments. These are manufactured out of materials um, uh, that, are, as opposed to grown or raised, uh, like wool or, uh, or, or bamboo is, uh, and they're very common on the trail today. Today's synthetic garments for hiking tend to be very different from a usual workwear and have a high amount of technology integrated into them uh, to do what they need to do. Synthetic garments tend to be cheaper than wool, uh, they tend to dry much faster, and they're usually not as expensive, and they also tend not to shrink when you put them in a tumble dryer. Now, having said that, um, I wear wool garments. The labels clearly say, do not tumble dry. <laughs> I tumble dry these for the last seven years. Actually, I tumble dry them because I think, seriously, this is not going to um, get all the cat hair off um, if we don't put them in the tumble dryer. And Icebreaker will probably have an absolute seizure when they discover that that's what they do. And I also warm iron, but there you go. 
So it's just it's just a convenience for us rather. So we did we we totally ignore the the the, the conditions or the the directions for for care on the on the uh, on the clothing and just do what makes what's what's comfortable for us. Okay, so synthetics are, are really quite good. They do tend to smell, um, although some brands do actually have um, anti odor technology in them. But certainly you can tell someone wearing a synthetic garment as opposed to a wool garment, particularly after two weeks. For some reason, I've never quite gotten into uh, the synthetic materials and the tech materials. Um, I'm not quite sure why. They just don't uh, seem to operate the way they're supposed to. Um, and I, if I think about, um, you know, those items that are intending to wick away moisture and all of those sorts of things, I, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing with them, but they just don't tend to work the way I would expect them. Uh, so I'm much more comfortable with the, uh, the layers of fine wool. So well-known brands from in the synthetic range include brands like Helly Hansen and 360 Degrees. Now, from what Jill mentioned, I've used I've also used both a synthetic and wool-based garments, and I prefer the wool purely because of the stink factor, particularly after a two <laughs> but you weeks can't on smell the trail. It. <laughs> now let's look at the layers. The following four layers will suit most people who are three seeks and hiking. By wearing multiple layers as opposed to a single bulky layer. You have more versatility and are able to adapt to your surrounding conditions. And I must say that uh, up front that for a while I used to wear shorts as well as uh, short sleeves when I was hiking. And this is no longer the case. Um, I always wear long sleeves tops when hiking. And, I'll, and, I'll wear, and while I do wear convertible pants, I only do so that, so I can unzip the bottoms and wash them because that's what that usually gets muddy. Long clothing tends to reduce the likelihood of skin cancer through sun exposure, which is a major issue in Australia. And if you look at most occupational health and safety guidelines for outdoor workers, they specify long, long pants and long sleeve shirts. Long sleeves and long pants also reduce fluid loss and the drain of energy that occurs when you have large amounts of bare skin exposed to the sun. And this is really a personal preference. I know that hikers, other hikers that do believe the same thing as well, but I also know a number of hikers who will hike in shorts and short sleeves. So really it's up to you as an individual. Now the first layer is the base layer, and this is what goes against your skin. The job of this layer is to wick moisture away from your body, uh, because moisture is a, a great conductor of heat, and by removing this moisture you'll stay warmer. I'll use two garments depending on the time of the year, um, and both of these um, at the moment are icebreakers uh, tops, uh, and really I'll wear a lightweight top uh, for um, the warmer type parts of the year. As it gets colder into the, into the cooler parts of winter, I'll change to a slightly heavier layer for my base layer. Um, my uh, go-to base layer is a um, ice, icebreaker Aero men's long sleeve half zip. And this will do me down to about 4 degrees Celsius when I'm hiking. Uh, now, as I said, I've got a fairly high tolerance of cold and it probably won't do most people for that sort of temperature. No, because at this point I would have um, uh, uh, an icebreaker bra, an icebreaker singlet, an icebreaker ice long sleeve top, and I may even be considering the next layer at 4 degrees. 
Okay, these lightweight garments will also do me to high temperatures. So uh, in earlier this year, I hiked the um, Canberra Centenary, Centenary Trail. Temperatures got up to around about 37 degrees. And whatever I was going to wear was going to be hot. Had I worn short sleeves, I would have been cooler, but would have ended up being badly sunburnt. So a long sleeve top was really a best choice for me, both in cool and hot temperatures. And in those sorts of conditions, I would opt for a... Um, a, a lightweight icebreaker t-shirt um, and my um, removable sleeves to keep my arms covered and I find that that's much more effective for me than a long sleeve top. The second layer um, that most people will tend to recognize or know or have heard of is the mid layer. Now as the name suggests this layer is warm somewhere in the middle of your layering system and it's designed to provide extra warmth. <laughs> Not around your mid layer. <laughs> these, these are all technical terms. Um, this layer is, the, is, the, is where the versatility of your layering system comes into place. If conditions dictate I'll add this layer on top of my base layer but what this means uh, is that the temperature starting to drop below zero degrees Celsius for me. Alternatively, I'll use a warmer base layer um, and I'm still playing around with um, uh, my uh, mid layer at the moment in particular, um, uh, trying to get the perfect, uh, perfect combination. At the moment, again, I'm using an icebreaker men's uh, long sleeve crew top, uh, which is classed as a lightweight top and the fleece weight is around about 200. And again, this comfortably goes over my base layer. One thing I didn't mean to mention with the base layers as well is, apart from long sleeves, I'll also put a uh, have it wear a top that has a neck on it, because it's so easy to get your neck and your head burnt, particularly when you've got lack of hair like I do. It's important to note it, note that um, Tim mentioned he's still playing around with his um, clothing layers, uh, and you know, depending on the temperature, depending on the experience, and also if you change just one item. Uh, you can get things out of sync again and it is a bit of an experimental exercise um, so you know don't worry about that feel free to um, think think it through get a plan test your plan change your plan um, the main thing is that you're getting closer and closer and closer to something that's actually going to work for you now in regarding mid, uh, mid layers I'm not a real fan of having two layers tucked into my pants I just find- <laughs> I just, I just find it annoying. So as strange as it sounds, for me, the mid layer is often the last layer that I'll put on and the first layer that I'll jettison. Um, as mentioned, um, you may be comfortable wearing this around camp, but as soon as you start hiking, um, if you're wearing the base layer and mid layer, you'll find it'll heat up and start sweating. Um, and really, that's probably the, an indication that you've, you're wearing too much clothing. If you're starting to generate sweat and for getting hot, it's time to start pulling some layers off. But, now, but sorry, but which layer that is is going to depend on the individual. Now, I have to make a comment about the tucking. <laughs> the tucking's important. Um, you have to tuck the la- base layer when you put the next layer on, and you have to contemplate, in my personal opinion, uh, contemplate whether or not you need to tuck the next layer when you put the next layer on. <laughs> I think this must be a, a must be a female thing because I think uh, not not something I ever really really enjoyed doing was tucking clothing in. Well, could be could be worse. We could be tucking into our underpants. <laughs> okay, now we can't finish talking about mid layers with also talking about leggings. 
Now, I'll normally wear uh, my, my pants that I wear at the moment, a Prana Xeon uh, uh, convertible pants. Uh, they're a reasonably uh, good pair of pants for, for both heat and cold. Uh, and they'll normally do me down to around about minus three. Uh, so on my legs at least, I'll only tend to wear three layers and I'll only wear my icebreaker men's anatomical legging, leggings uh, when the temperature gets to about minus four degrees or lower. Uh, um, I just, again, I'm just comfortable with being in the cold. Um, I prefer not to have the the base layer on the legs if I can help it. Uh, but they do make a really good pair of pyjamas if you have to get up and, and go out to go answer a call of nature in the middle of the night. The next layer we're going to look at is the insulation layer. This is the third layer out of a four-layer system. This is usually what you wear when things really start to get cold. Um, you've either finished hiking for the day or you're, you've gotten up in the morning, you're having breakfast, you're getting ready to move off. You're not moving, so as a result, you're not generating heat and you tend to feel the cold. Also, first thing in the morning and last thing in the afternoon, the temperatures are either are either cold and starting to warm up or they're warm and starting to get cooler. Uh, this layer will typically consist of a down jacket or a fleece. Down jackets tend to be the, the, uh, the garment of choice these days for most hikers, but you will still see a lot of people wearing heavy fleece jumpers. Down jackets have the advantage of being lightweight and compact, uh, but high quality jackets are also expensive. Some down jackets have waterproofing technology integrated into them, but they're still not made for really heavy rainy conditions. Uh, down tends to lose uh, a lot of its warmth and its benefit when uh, it's, you start getting, it starts getting too wet. Just on the expense, um, recently I bought an, a fantastic uh, Mont jacket, down jacket, um, for $100 on sale. Uh, it was the annual sale that Mon has. Uh, at their warehouse, and I thought it was excellent value. The only problem was I and every other middle-aged woman was walking out with, I'm not sure the official colour, but it was probably a fuchsia down jacket. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing all of those middle-aged women on the trail. Um, so for me, I, I'm also wearing a Mont jacket. I wear um, a fairly lightweight uh, jacket, which is the Mont neon down jacket. But other options such as Patagonia, uh, down sweater jacket, and other brands are also available. Synthetics are the next type of jackets, and, these, and a good example of these uh, being the North Face Thermoball FZ jacket. These jackets are made of synthetic material. Uh, they're more versatile as they keep you warm even when they're wet, and they're often cheaper than down jackets. However, they tend to be less durable, they're bulkier usually, and they're also heavier. So this is where you decide on the trade-off. Uh, do you want to travel really light uh, and, and, and go to a down jacket, which is going to be more expensive? Or are you trying to keep the cost down? You're not so much worried about the weight, in which case you might go for a synthetic. It's worthwhile mentioning one other style of jacket, and this is probably the best way to describe this is a, a hybrid jacket. Uh, and again, this is a jacket from Icebreaker, which they uh, class as their Merino loft jackets, which is way, made from a wool blend material. Uh, and like the synthetic jackets, they keep you warm when wet. However, they're not particularly lightweight. And a comparable jacket to my down jacket is roughly about twice the weight when compared with down jackets. But they do look really stylish, so I'll give them that. <laughs> 
Now you may only need two layers if it's warm and usually I find that this, this layer is typically um, the one I tend to use. So it's not uncommon for me to wear my base layer uh, followed by my insulation layer and not worry about the other two layers. The last layer we're going to talk about is the outer layer, uh, which is your wind or waterproofing layer. This layer is as it sounds, it provides protection from wind, thereby reducing the issue of apparent temperature and from water, which can often suck the heat from your body very quickly. These layers form a shell over your other layers and maintain all that wonderful warmth that you've gone through and built up uh, from your, uh, your base and your mid and your insulation layers. But here's where things become finicky. If you get too hot, and it might be that it's pouring with rain, it's blowing a gale, um, and you put your, your shell layer on over the top, and all of a sudden um, these layers tend to not be particularly breathable. They're designed to stop water penetrating into your lower layers. Uh, and as a result, you heat up. Um, and if you heat up, you start sweating. Uh, and this is where the base layer has to do its work and, and take all the sweat away. But if you're too hot, it means you've got to stop somewhere, strip some layering off. So it's handy to have a jacket that has a bit of versatility or has the ability to lose, uh, lose heat and sweat. So a number of jackets, uh, whether they be lightweight or heavyweight uh, uh, rain jackets, will have armpit zips or pit zips. Uh, and they're designed that you just undo the zips even just partially, and as you move your arms, uh, and you can actually lift your arms up, uh, and that'll allow cool air to enter the jacket itself and keep you at a comfortable temperature. The other option is to actually undo the zip at the front of the jacket, but by doing this, if it's pouring with rain, you're likely to get wet, which means that um, um, it's defeating the purpose of having your layering system. So again, getting a a jacket or a waterproof, windproof jacket that has the ability to lose that extra heat is the way to go. Now, I prefer to, to use a lightweight jacket. Now, a good example of this layer is the Marmot Pre-Sip jacket. Uh, and this is a, a lightweight jacket and used very heavily on the American Long Trails. Um, and I've been using this one for a couple of years now. And it's ideal for those wanting to go ultra light. It's durable. Uh, it provides a, um, a good lightweight uh, protection uh, from water and wind. Um, but um, certainly it's, um, it, it is that plasticky sort of feel. Uh, so if you're just wearing uh, your base layer underneath or a short sleeve t-shirt, it can feel a bit clammy. Yeah, so I think it's a good idea to um, wear a long sleeve um, top underneath the precip jacket or that kind of jacket um, it does help with that clamminess um, and does keep you a little bit drier if you want something a bit more robust and a bit heavier grade um, then you can go for what tends to be known as storm jackets and storm jackets tend to be longer uh, they come down towards the back of your legs uh, they uh, tend to be a heavier grade material typically Gore-Tex uh, and they often will have what's classed as a storm hood which is basically a peak a built-in peak into the actual hood itself. Whereas the marmot jacket that I wear, um, it ne you need to wear it really with a, um, a peak cap underneath, otherwise you find the water just runs down the front of your face. Um, so an example of the, the heavy grade Gore-Tex jackets is the Mountain Designs Cumulus jacket. And I do actually own one of these, but I only tend to wear it when I'm in snow conditions. 
Don't forget the legs as well. Now, while it's not important as keeping your upper body dry, it's still important to keep you comfortable. Uh, I own two sets of rain pants, and my personal preference is actually the cheaper pair. Um, <laughs> and it's good to know that after you bought the more expensive pair. <laughs> uh, and that's the Rainbird Stowaway pants. They fold up onto a little small bundle. Uh, I've been using a pair now for um, probably about six or seven years. Uh, they've lasted that long. Um, they are still available um, and still still produced. Uh, and the reason I tend to wear these is that the ankle zips open quite widely and it allows me to get my clown size feet in and out of the pants without having to remove my footwear. And this includes the odd occasion where I wear my heavy-duty scarpa boots, which most rain gear won't cope with. They'll have zips to allow you to get them up over your feet, but they won't cope with the boots themselves. So again, it's the sort of thing that um, um, don't forget the, the, a full set of rain gear um, and it's really going to be what's comfortable and what fits. And it's not often that you actually need your full set of rain gear. When we were on the Overland track, uh, we did need the rain gear. And, and there were, was one day where we had the jackets on and we had pants on. Um, and it was pretty heavy rain and quite muddy. So the pants were important to keep our trousers um, both dry and clean. And uh, we definitely needed to wear the full set on that particular day. Doesn't often happen, but you don't want to be caught without it. Okay, now we'll go through and look at add-ons. These are sort of things that are still part of your layering system, but don't sort of quite fit into the, the standard process. So the first thing to consider is your head and your neck. Now, looking at, if you've looked at photos of the website, you realise I don't have much hair. Um, <laughs> That means no hair, though I'm sure Tim could grow a head of hair if he chose to grow a head of hair. <laughs> this is what he tells me anyway. <laughs> okay, so um, so basically from my point, my perspective, it means I've got to keep my head protected from the cold and also from overheating and hot temperatures. Um, now, if you're a bit of a traditionalist, a beanie or a balaclava is the way to go. And I do own several different ones, mainly courtesy of Icebreaker. Uh, including the unisex pocket hat, the chase beanie, and the oasis balaclava. Now, while I've gone through stages with each of these garments, and that they will usually sit in my cupboard only to be bought out for snow trips. My personal preference is to use a buff. Um, now, buff is actually a brand, but really when you talk about buffs, everyone knows what you mean. So regardless of who makes it, they tend to be called buffs. Because everyone's watched Survivor, <laughs> and they know what you can do with a buff. On a survivor program. <laughs> uh, and actually, if I'm going to be accurate, I own two buffs and I'll wear two, uh, unless it's just a very short day walk, I'll always carry two, two buffs with me. This is probably the most versatile piece of equipment I own. Um, and I, uh, uh, as a personal preference, if I only had to carry one, it's the Merino wool buff, uh, which will keep me warm down to, to minus seven degrees. Anything colder than that, I'm definitely starting to increase the layers or to wear a heavier grade uh, uh, a snow hat. Hands, again, also another area to consider. Um, the easiest thing to do is just to go through and tuck them into your pockets. Um, but I also uh, use a pair of icebreaker quantum gloves. Um, and I must admit, I keep on talking about icebreaker. And as I mentioned, there are other brands on the market. It's just icebreaker are probably the original merino wool, and I've been using it for a number of years. And because it doesn't 
uh, fall apart and and collapse very easily, you tend to have them for a long time. Well, it survives the heavy washing and drying uh, process that I go through. And by the way, they, they're not paying us to say this. Okay, so these gloves are not waterproof, but they will keep your hands warm in the rain if need be. But certainly if you're going to be hiking through heavy rain conditions and you know it's going to be very uh, uh, very cold, you might want to look at a, a pair of waterproof gloves instead. So just on the gloves bit, um, Tim's there with his one pair of gloves occasionally. I'm there with two pairs of gloves often. So I've got a lightweight pair of gloves and a heavier pair of gloves and I will put one uh, over the other depending on the conditions. And, uh, you know, I guess that's another difference between Tim and I. My hands get quite cold uh, and some days I'll be taking my gloves on and off depending on the activity and depending on uh, the warming up and the cooling down of my hands. Okay, the last last garment we're going to talk about is the feet. Uh, and again, stock choice is, is one of those things that for me can be difficult at times. As I said, I've worked outside for most of my life. My, to- my cold tolerance is, quite, uh, uh, is not particularly average for most people. Uh, so I tend to wear a, a lightweight sock uh, for most of the year. Uh, and even with that, um, I find that I'm wearing a lightweight sock during the warm months, my feet will start sweating. And to minimize blisters, uh, you want to try and uh, make sure that A, you don't sweat if you can help it, but B, if you are going to sweat, that the moisture is drawn away from your feet. So I've spent a number of years trying a number of different brands of socks. Uh, and, and for me, I tend to have uh, settled on the Wigwam socks and I use the Cool Light Hiker Pro for most of the year. If I know I'm going to be really cold, I'll go to a heavy grade Wigwam Trail Tracks Pro Sock. And the only time I'll wear a heavy grade wool sock is in, in snow conditions. So this is again where I differ from Tim. I wear the Injinji socks. Um, there are two types I use. One is the Injinji um, lightweight trail sock. And I also wear the midweight uh, trail sock. It's got to be pretty cool for me to wear the midweight sock. Mostly the lightweight sock uh, from Njinji uh, works quite well, which is really interesting because my feet do get cold. I do find, though, with the toe socks, um, my feet stay much warmer than they would in a traditional socks sock and it also helps me with things like uh, you know separating the toes so I don't get rubbing and I don't, don't get blisters. I must admit while we're talking about Njinji socks I've got a pair I've used them <laughs> I, I just find them really weird. Um, Is it weird in a fantastic way <laughs> um, it takes me back to you know the rainbow colored socks of the 1970s um, that that I never had a pair of but I just thought were fantastic um so and i also wear them for um running and for gym work as well so got a whole range of uh, toe socks just fantastic can't recommend them highly enough and we'll do some reviews on those in the coming weeks okay so the, the final word on uh, on um, layering uh, as as you would have noticed as the the the, the banter between jill and i as we've gone through this process the layering system really is an individual thing. So it's as individual as the garments that go to make it up. 
In most cases, there's no one right way uh, to either wear a layering system or to the garments to choose. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I'll often wear my base layer uh, top and my waterproof jacket without the insulating, insulating layer of mid layer and as I said it's a rare thing to, for me to see me wearing all four layers uh, but if I know the conditions are likely to warrant I'll normally carry those layers uh, just to be on the safe side. Seek out advice from friends, from books, uh, from the internet and from outdoor stores to help you make those decisions on the garments. And what I'd suggest is starting out with the base layer and the mid layer, uh, and then the rain, the rain and windproof layer, and leave the insulation layer or the jacket to last because it's going to be your most expensive layer in most cases. You can buy some pretty expensive uh, uh, waterproof, windproof layers if you want. So one of the things I would say as part of my final word is that your layers need to fit together. So... Um you know, as you put something else on, it needs to be comfortable and therefore slightly bigger than the thing that went underneath. And when you get to the the um, uh, the insulation layer, you also need to have a bit of air around your body to optimize, you know, particularly if you're using something like a down jacket, optimize the opportunity to heat a layer of air between you and um, the jacket. So, You've got to be able to make sure that it all fits as a package um, and sometimes that might mean that you might have to uh, suss out some slightly different sizing to make sure that it does complete a package so that it is comfortable for you. All right, so just as our last thing, um, as I said, really layering system is going to be something that's going to take you a little while to work out. And even from my perspective, uh, I've had a, a fairly stable layering system for the last two years, but I'm going through in the process of changing it and updating it and refining it. Um, so keep a record of, and this has to, it doesn't have to necessarily be a written record, but keep a record somehow of what each, how each piece performs uh, and, and use that to build up your layering system. Now, one final thing to say is now you've got all your layering systems sorted out, you need to think about where to put all the equipment in your pack. And this will be a topic for another day, but suffice to say the last thing you want to do is have to unpack your entire uh, backpack to access your layering system. <laughs> Certainly seen that on the, on the trail. Um, can be a bit frustrating when it's getting colder, can be fr even more frustrating when it's getting wetter. <laughs> Okay, that's all for today's episode. Hope you've enjoyed. Um, if you go through and have a look at the written article for this podcast, we'll have some images of some of the gear we've talked about and the way we tend to use our layering system. Um, and um, it's worthwhile, as I said, do a bit of, uh, bit of reading and a bit of uh, bit talking to people and see what they recommend. But certainly the information we've given you here today is, is what works for us and has done for a while. That's all for today's episode. We hope you've enjoyed. Next episode in two weeks' time will be on how to carry water while hiking. And we'll look at the different options for carrying water uh, on, your, on your day, overnight, and multi-day hikes. As always, this episode can be downloaded through iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, or our website. 
please go through and give us a rating on iTunes to help make the podcast easier to find. Okay, that's all for now. Bye for me. And bye from me.